Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And for the first time in what seems like a long, long time, it is time to go back on the Tar Heel recruiting trail in the 2023 class. Today, the focus is on Rico Walker, the four-star edge rusher for Carolina, one of the headliners of this 2023 class, decommitting. He is now back on the market. It is unknown where Carolina stands with him, if they still have a chance to land him, what the effects are. We're going to talk about that. We'll also talk about you know what we think Carolina should do in terms of the edge rusher position. Um, do we think that Carolina is still going to have to search out somebody else? Is this a class that right now, with the two guys that they have, can sort of sustain this type of blow? We'll tell you about that. And we also take a look at the three athletes that Carolina has offered here recently in the 2023 class. Is Are, are these guys legitimate threats to be part of Carolina's class? We'll tell you all about that here on this edition of the podcast. But since it is a recruiting edition of the podcast... Our guy Zach Hubbard is back with us, and uh, buddy, it's been it's been a little bit, man, uh, and it, it's kind of weird. Uh, who would have thought at this point, you being a guy that follows both Carolina and Alabama, that Carolina, in terms of their record, is having a better season than Alabama at this point of the year? I don't think anybody saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, a little bit hard to see coming, but certainly, you know, you have North Carolina uh, in a position not only. Uh, to have a better record, but, you know, better access potentially, and I will say potentially, to the college football playoffs. So it is a very good time to be a Tar Heel fan. But, you know, again, as we get here towards the end of the year and more importantly towards the early signing period, you know, that's when we start to see uh, recruiting heat up, not only um, nationally but for North Carolina specifically. And, you know, it's no different this year. It's the same thing, just more and more names popping up, guys 
you know, nailing down their decisions. And, and you know, we're looking to get here into the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we, the storyline that we're on here to talk to you about, the one that has kind of brought us here today, is the decommitment of Rico Walker. Now, there is a lot going on around this situation. Um, he tweeted out and posted on Instagram, his Instagram story as well, uh, that he was decommitting from Carolina. Okay, that's 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 one thing. The problem is, is that that tweet, and the Instagram story immediately taken down. And he after that, a little bit quiet for about an hour or two. Then, all of a sudden, you start seeing some retweets pop up. Him basically retweeting national analysts that say he is back on the board. And now, the understanding from everybody is that this is, in fact, a situation where his recruitment is now back open. So... Uh, it's it's an odd one. There are a lot of different uh, reports that are coming out, a lot of different rumors that have probably been seen on uh, some of the message board websites, many of them revolving around some off-the-field issues relating you know, to, to activities in school and stuff like that um, that kind of has Carolina, uh, you know, I, I guess in a weird spot. So we don't really know exactly what happened with this situation. But in terms of the prospect that Carolina is losing, you're talking about a guy that was the second highest rated prospect in this class for Carolina. He was one of the cornerstones of this class. It was two edge rushers, him and J. Bron Harvey. Um, So now, you know, Harvey's got to be the guy that a lot of people are looking at, and you would imagine that he is going to be the focus of a lot of the hype and attention at the edge rusher spot with uh, Walker now not a part, no longer a part of the class. But with the lack of success that Carolina has had so far this season with pass rush, 15 sacks the entire season for Carolina over 10 games. That is, you can do the math pretty easily, a sack and a half per game. It's an area where Carolina needs to improve. A lot of people, I think, were looking forward to having a guy like Rico Walker who, as we talked about, religiously when we were previewing this class even in the early parts of the class and especially once we got closer to Carolina actually landing him in this class it's a guy that plays with a lot of physicality that's something that Carolina has been looking for and I think in that aspect Zach this is a pretty big loss for Carolina in the class yeah, absolutely. Just mentioning uh, him as a player, first and foremost, it is a loss. He is a very good player, like you mentioned, a, a guy that plays primarily on the edge as an edge rusher. And look, this is a position that you know we mentioned uh, in the offseason, we've mentioned in earlier editions of the podcast. This is a position that North Carolina you know, wanted to add numbers at. I mean, they had really, you know, two to three guys potentially that you could classify as edge rushers, one being J. Brown Harvey, like you mentioned, another potentially, you know, filling that role in Tyler Thompson. So, you know, it, it's clearly a position that they want to add guys as of right now. If you look purely at what they would deem, um, you know, as the weak side defensive end, Jack Linebacker, edge rusher, whatever you want to have it, you know, uh, really what we've seen specifically at that pure position, we've seen two guys for this current 
uh, Tar Heel team. We've seen uh, Noah Taylor before his injury and now Chris Collins sort of filling in. And those are two older guys. And I mean, you've got the other sort of edge rushing position, the other outside positions, somewhat. Um, you know, some would call it the power end. That's being, you know, sometimes you see uh, Javari Ritzy out there. Sometimes he's inside. Desmond Evans played a lot there. Kamon Rucker is doing a lot there currently. Um, but in the pure sort of quote-unquote weak side defensive end position, that, that is one that is going to need bodies coming up this fall, if not just talented bodies. So it is a loss from that perspective, like you mentioned. Um, as you mentioned previously, you know, there were some alleged or potential off-the-field concerns. You know, that, that does play a factor in North Carolina recruitment, uh, same as academics do in a North Carolina recruitment, there's going to be a little more than just your, you know, than your average recruitment that's going to factor into it. And that's not to say, you know, anything, you know, sweeping about, you know, Rico's character. Obviously, I don't know him personally. We don't know the full details of the situation. But from my understanding, it was sort of a, I, I would say that there was interest on both sides on Rico no longer being committed to North Carolina. And this is one that we mentioned previously that, you know, it was a hotly contested recruitment. So when you have ones like that, it's not possible that, you know, those are ones that uh, one team or another eventually loses. Um, in that vein, I, I sort of see Tennessee as the most likely initial option, just pull one out of a hat. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they were, you know, involved over the summer during his recruitment, and they're having, you know, so far a really good season in the SEC East. So, you know, a lot of a lot of buzz there around the volunteer program. Um, and that, that's really the high and the low of it. I mean, there, there are concerns there, like, I, like we said. Can't say really too much more about that in terms of specifics. But it is a loss from a talent perspective, but seems like it was more so a decision that North Carolina had to make at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I, I think – If you're looking for a situation that is probably comparable, it would be to what happened with Cayman Marley, who was a guy that was in the uh, 2022 class last year, um, went to Tennessee and is in the transfer portal already. But it's a situation where I think there is more – it doesn't really have to do with the – actual play on the field and who knows it seems like this could be a mutual parting of ways and it's still nothing official so that's the biggest thing is that we don't know exactly what happened with the situation but it seems like that's pretty much the mindset that a lot of people are taking towards it as you mentioned Carolina does have two commits at the edge rusher spot in this class. Tyler Thompson is a guy at a Panther Creek High School, three-star guy that is creeping up towards officially being a four-star player. He is he has he has really put up a great senior season uh, at his high school and it seems like now there are a lot of people I believe he will end up being officially a four-star. Actually, as of right now, he did become a four-star prospect on 24-7 sports composite rankings. So, I mean, Carolina's got two really talented guys there. Thompson's a guy, too, that I think, you know, you, you watched him on film, and he was a guy that kind of grew on people after looking at his initial ranking. Remember, another team that was out there trying to recruit him was Michigan. That's always a pretty good sign when you when it comes to defensive line recruits. 
So Carolina's got two really legitimate prospects there right now. I think the question that a lot of people have, though, is what does Carolina do now at that position? Are they still potentially looking to add somebody else at that position? I, You look at the, the offer list, there's nobody. And to be honest with you, I think it's probably a little too late to start jumping in on some of these guys. Mac Brown has said, and I don't know what positions in specific he is talking about, but that there are recruits that have called Carolina back after seeing what they have done so far this year. You would imagine a lot of those are probably on the offensive side of the ball because when Mac Brown did bring that up, he referenced the fact of who would not want to play with Drake May. Now that could sort of encompass the defensive side of the football as well, but it would lead you to believe that a lot of those guys are probably offensive prospects. Carolina, the only two guys that Carolina has offered right now that are uncommitted are, of course, Rico Walker, who's now back on the market, and Keon Keeley, who's the number seven overall prospect in the country. Carolina's never really been in that one. Alabama, Ohio State, Florida, Notre Dame, those are the teams that are in the running for him. Um, So, Carolina, they they could look to potentially flip somebody, but I I doubt it. Um, I don't know if they would offer somebody else in in this class. But to me, Zach, what I think this does is now that you have one of these scholarship spots open and maybe you were already saving one for this, I think this means that Carolina could potentially be a team that heavily pursues a – transfer in the transfer portal this offseason at the edge rusher position. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at sort of um, the way that North Carolina has recruited, not only just year over year, but especially now in the transfer portal era, it is rarely, you know, that they take a full class of 25 freshmen and then have a full 85 filled scholarship uh, the first game in fall. That's rarely the case. Um, so with that, I think that there's, you know, there's always room for for transfers to be added, especially now that you don't have any sort of initial counter rule. You know, it's really just as long as you have 85 each scholastic semester, you're good. Um, so with that being said, you know, I think that they are going to pursue probably multiple options uh, on both sides of the ball in the transfer portal this offseason. Edge rusher will probably be one of them. Offensive line will be one of them. A secondary could potentially be one of them. It could be linebacker. I mean, this is, uh, you know, not to get too much on the current team, but this is uh, a team that has been a little bit one-sided, to put it mildly, in terms of how they've played over the course of the season, though the defense as of late is improving. So uh, similar to last year, you know, where they got multiple guys out of the portal, I think they're going to do that again. I think where North Carolina currently is as a program, I think that's probably a good strategy is not to take, you know, 15, 20 guys necessarily, but, you know, you could be in the in the four to six range and, you know, get some really good value there. And especially like you mentioned with the play that we've seen from, you know, Drake May and this offense and who wouldn't want to play in that, well, there's going to be opportunities, you know, uh, next fall because, you know, Drake May still has another year before he's eligible for the draft, is looking really good for that uh, 2024 draft that will be upcoming so you know there will be options on the offense and there'll be options on the defense because you know the offense 
can't really go out and do everything all of the time. There's two sides to the ball, so there's there's going to need to be guys that are going to come in and you know hitch their wagon to the defense of hey, look at what North Carolina with Drake May was able to do. You know, they've clinched the ACC Coastal. They're going in, you know, with a lot of momentum into that ACC title game, and we'll see how these last two games of the season go. But they're sitting there at 9-1, at and one, where at the end of last season, you know, we Tar Heel fans saw that as a disappointment. So, uh, you know, just to sum that up, I do think that they're going to pursue multiple guys in the portal, and I think um, – you know, similar to the past few seasons, I think they can have a good deal of success there, uh, but no more so than at the edge rusher position, getting a guy to sort of slot in where um, Noah Taylor did this fall. Yeah, I, I think that's, to me, that's got to be a given at this point because of the fact that you are still struggling defensively. You're losing both Noah Taylor and Chris Collins. Um, so you would imagine that that's going to be a position where they feel like they not only need talent, but they need veteran guys. And I still think they will probably try to innovate some of these younger guys a little bit more because there is talent there. You'd imagine you'll see more Malachi Hamrick next year, Bo Atkinson, um, so and, and maybe even Kamen Rucker out there. We've heard that they will want to use him a little bit at Jack if possible, but right now with the other injuries that they have, they're pretty much just sticking to using him at that power end spot. But, yeah, I think that's definitely possible. Now, Zach, the one other person that you that I know people are going to ask if this sort of opens things back up for him is David Hobbs. I don't really think this opens the door for him because he doesn't really fit that edge rusher position. They have put a lot of weight on him over the last couple of years. If you watched his film, even from last year as a junior, you would probably say you could make it work. But I think they might. He's probably projecting more as a defensive tackle. And I feel like that one may be a little too far gone, although... I guess you never really know. Carolina could turn the heat back up on him once again. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you never say never in these sort of recruitments. And I especially won't say never to, you know, Matt Brown and this Tar Heel staff recruiting in state. There, there really hasn't been any limits to who they can and cannot get in terms of that. Uh, so it, it, I would say that it is a long shot, like you mentioned. I, I see it more as, a, as an SEC battle right now, probably specifically uh, between Tennessee and Georgia for his signature. And I do agree he has sort of, you know, he's moving towards that, um, you know, could be a 3-4 defensive end, could be, you know, a 3-tech defensive tackle, anything along those lines. Sort of that build, so I don't think he feels the need. But, you know, who can say anything can happen? That's sort of the mindset that I'm keeping in terms of this recruitment as it relates to North Carolina and David Hobbs. So, yeah, that that's that's the look at the defensive uh, or the edge rusher position. Now, in terms of the overall class, I, this there were some people that were definitely concerned that this could be the first of a few decommitments in this class. The other one that a lot of people are looking at right now is Kavion Keys, who... Looks like Penn State is 
sort of re-entered the picture for. He's still committed to Carolina as of right now, but there are some people that think that they could be a factor. I don't think that the team that a lot of people thought was the biggest threat to Carolina is really going to be a threat in Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher struggling as much as he is. They just were eliminated from bowl contention this past weekend. It looks like, and barring something shocking, he will not be there by the end of the season. They will fire him and look for their next head coach. So that kind of rules them out. Auburn, they fired Brian Harson. I know Cadillac Williams is there. They were really excited with what he did this past weekend, but there's no guarantee that that staff will be stable. So I think Carolina has a better chance to hold on to him than some people are wanting to give them credit for. But does does Penn State re-entering that race sort of give you some concern when it comes to him? And is there anybody else in this class? Like, really just, I think the overall feeling is that the struggles of the defense may lead to more decommitments. Do you think that's possible? I think that's certainly possible, especially with a guy like uh, Kevion Keys. He has a four-star prospect uh, in the top 500, as we like to say on the show. So he is a national prospect, and he's a guy that you know could potentially take some visits. Uh, has already been to Penn State, uh, as you mentioned, um, looking somewhat at the Virginia schools. I don't really see them as a factor unless they're selling, you know, immediate playing time. I think that could be you know potentially an option as they're sort of going through uh, growing pains in, in their first seasons for, you know, Tony Elliott and Brent Pry at UVA and Virginia Tech, respectively. Uh, Texas A&M, you know, like you mentioned, they are struggling. So, you know, hard to see them having a ton of momentum, though, with the way that they've utilized NIL. I mean, you never really know in that sort of instance. And then Florida has also been another name mentioned um, as a potential Official visit spot, it was one he mentioned over the summer. Not quite sure how much of a factor they are at this point. It, it, it's just really a wait and see at this point. But, you know, just because he has actually taken the visit there, you know, Penn State has to be seen as the main competition. And, you know, it's not like they're having a bad year. I mean, they're 8-2. They're, they're a uh, team and a program that has, uh, you know, over the last years and historically recruited well. Um, and they're a program that has historically recruited well in Virginia, uh, specifically alongside North Carolina. There's really two teams that I'd pick as you know the prime candidates uh, to raid the state of Virginia. It'd probably be North Carolina and Penn State. So that makes sense. Um, if he's taking visits, you know, in any circumstance, it, it, it's a question of what is this visit for? It doesn't mean that a decommitment is coming. Well, we don't know. All that you really know is that that prospect, more likely than not, is looking around. So there, you know, I, I think that North Carolina might be looking around as well. There are other options there uh, at the linebacker, linebacker spot, uh, off ball linebacker specifically. Uh, one name that's come up re- recently is uh, Michael Short, uh, is a ECU commit currently out of Mallard Creek High School in Charlotte. Um, as I'm sure, if you followed North Carolina recruiting, you'll know the name Mallard Creek. Um, as they've had, you know, multiple Division One guys come out of there. So, you know, there are options on the horizon. But uh, just to the main point that you mentioned, I'm sure that people are reaching out, you know, regarding um, our defensive commit at this time, North Carolina's defensive commits, due to, you know, the issues that we've seen there on the defense. 
And I think that it is somewhat in a state of flux at this point, but, you know, we'll see sort of if, you know, once we get to the off season, what changes are made in terms of not only the personnel, but, you know, that if there's anything on the coaching staff that could change that might help, if it's just another year in the system, learning that and sort of, you know, figuring out who, who needs to be on the field, who doesn't need to be on the field, things along those lines. Because it, you know, it, this is the first year under a, a new regime in defensive coordinator Gene Chizik. It, it's a whole new defense, a whole new defensive front, you know, different coverages, everything along those lines. And, you know, uh, when you struggle on one side of the ball, it can be difficult to get guys to buy in, but you can always sell playing time. And so I think that's at least, you know, one thing that North Carolina can sell at this point for their defensive side is, hey, you know, if some of these guys aren't getting it done and you have the right attitude, you know, you can come in and compete once you're on campus. You know, these stars don't matter. You know, where you were as a recruit doesn't matter. It's all about, you know, what you are doing at this point on campus. So I I think that there are certainly options um, that will, um, you know, continue to uh, give these recruits that are permitted hope to stay in the class. And as of right now, I still remain optimistic, not only that they keep keys, but, you know, keep the core of this class together. Yeah, I I agree. I think that one of the things that you brought up there that I think is a great point that the staff is probably trying to sell to these guys is, look, there's playing time available because there really aren't that many guys that are playing well. Now, for keys – The interesting thing for him is that's probably one of the spots that they are not selling that at. Look, Cedric Gray, great player. He's not going early to the NFL. He is a great college linebacker right now, and he fits what Carolina wants. He is not going to lose that starting job. Neither is Power Eccles in the middle of that defense, and that's a guy that's not going to play off the ball anyways. We've seen him have to drop into coverage at times this year. Ideally, you would love for him to be a guy that is really there to play in the middle of your defense, stop the run, and limit how much he has to drop into coverage. But neither one of those guys are going anywhere here over the next couple of years. And the thing with Cedric Gray that you have to remember, too, is he was a guy that was on campus during the COVID season, so he would be able to come back for another year as well, um, even though he is a junior this season. So that is something that you have to factor in. With keys, I see. I don't. I'm not going to say I'm a hundred percent concerned. To me, I feel a little bit better about where Carolina is at right now because you have the two SEC schools that seem like they are out of it. Now, you mentioned Florida. Florida's an interesting team in there. That especially with Billy Napier there. You always, when guys take over, you know there could be opportunities for playing time down the road because there are guys that are holdovers that won't necessarily last the entire time that the coaching staff is there. Um, so I, I, I think that's that's something that has to be looked at. But I, I to me, I, I still feel pretty confident as of right now because we've heard a lot of different schools be brought up with him. And it doesn't seem like he has really taken any visits. He took that of that that visit to Auburn, but it wasn't an official visit. That's when I think you have to start being concerned. Is if it becomes an official visit, and if 
you start seeing him. If he takes another visit to Penn State, I think that's when people will start being extremely concerned about what is going to happen. But you also mentioned that Carolina would have the option to still add another linebacker in this class. Michael Short, who you just talked about Friday night, uh, Mallard Creek, they have a they they have a page that sort of tweets out their recruiting stuff whenever guys get offers, everything like that. They tweeted out Michael Short has received an offer from Carolina. So this means that Carolina has another guy that is on the table here as an option. He's an in-state guy, three-star guy, probably somebody that is going to need to be developed, not anywhere near as polished of a linebacker as Kevion Keyes is. But at the same time, to add depth to that room, which they do need, there's no denying that, they do have another guy that is currently now bat- now on their radar. You would feel like, look, Carolina has already flipped two ECU commits in this class, Ty Adams and Aiden Duncanson, and those guys were from the state of Georgia. This is a guy that plays in the home state. Carolina has a chance to sort of turn up the heat just a little bit. And here's the other thing. You talked about not, you know, with, with David Hobbs not really counting Carolina out. You can never count this staff out. Remember, Remember that, and and it was aided by the what was going on at Florida State at the time, with the fact that his lead recruiter uh, did depart and take a head coaching job. But with Sam Howell, Carolina flipped his commitment in about three weeks. So if you do the right things, it is possible to flip certain guys. That's why, or or in the case of David Hobbs, close the gap and get yourself back into a race. So. That you never really know. Michael Short, I think, is the guy that you would probably watch, though, uh, for Carolina to make a push with. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back on this edition of the podcast, we're going to tell you about three other guys in the class that Carolina recently offered, all three of them athletes. We give you an update on where Carolina stands with these guys, and do we think Carolina can add one of these three to their class. Stick around on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high and the tension is higher. Your pulse is racing. He kicks and you watch as the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Maybe you want to bet on one of your favorite Tario players. Maybe you like Michael Carter and his matchup for the Jets that week. Or maybe you want to bet on the total number of tackles that Cole Holcomb will have in a game. You can do all that on DraftKings Sportsbook. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using the promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do, everything, the articles, the podcast, 
all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter, at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at HackZubber2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Zach Hubbard with you. Let's take a look at the athletes that Carolina has offered recently in the class. The most notable three-star athlete from the state of Virginia, Brandon Hillman. And this is a guy that currently right on the precipice of becoming a four-star prospect. And as you would expect, some heavy hitters in this recruitment. Carolina is a team that jumped in late, but it seems like he's a guy that has sort of taken off a little bit later uh, on the recruiting trail. We've seen a few of these guys. Carolina, all three of the guys that we'll talk about here were really guys that started heating up in the middle of their senior seasons. Hillman, though, really closely tied to Notre Dame at this time. He actually has a couple of crystal ball predictions that are in for him in their favor. Also has taken an official visit to Kentucky at the time. But Carolina was a team that was inside of his top eight. Not really sure what the expectation is with him if he is going to commit early or if he is a guy that will wait. Um, It looks like there could be a chance that he holds off, but uh, this is a guy that Carolina, I think, really feels like uh, they've got an opportunity with. uh, That's the reason why they offered him. They've had him on campus uh, a couple of times unofficially, and if they can get that official visit, Zach, this might be a guy that we'll have to talk about a little bit more and and maybe look at as a potential addition to this class. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you mentioned, and sort of what we'll hammer with all of these guys is that, you know, an official visit is going to be key here for any of these guys for, for North Carolina to have a chance. Uh, obviously, as we mentioned, similar to, you know, other defensive prospects on that uh, back end, you know, of the defensive backfield, you're going to have opportunities. Uh, they are sort of a an older defensive back room at this point. So, you know, you never know who's going to, you know, decide they want to move on. You'll never know potentially who wants to try their hand at, at the NFL or, you know, who wants to use extra eligibility if they have it. So there are going to be opportunities, but it is almost always key for North Carolina to get these guys on campus in a true uh, official visit setting in a true official visit environment so that they can get the full experience. And that's really, you know, what, what we've discussed, what North Carolina does well is they show themselves well on official visits. They show, you know, the town of Chapel Hill well. They show the university aspect. They show what, you know, the football program itself has to offer. So I, I think, you know, as you mentioned, it will be key. And to be honest, there's really not a ton of information we have out at this point until – you know, we figure out if one of these guys is going to get on campus in, you know, one of the last few weekends or sometime in December. It, it's really hard to gauge where North Carolina stands with these guys until we have sort of that more concrete visit plan set up. You know, the adage is always watch what they do, not what they say. And I think that that, you know, is as true as ever 
in these you know new offers and these new recruitments that North Carolina has taken on. Well, one guy that we do know Carolina will not land is Khalil Barnes. This was a guy out of the state of Florida, three-star prospect that Carolina did offer. He's a guy that's a wide receiver prospect as well. He's listed as an athlete, but most people look at him as probably going to the offensive side of the ball and... He released a top three, Carolina not involved. He'll make his decision December 16th. So they're out of that one. Notre Dame, one of the favorites in that one, along with Clemson and Oklahoma. This one, I think, more interesting than anything, Zach. Not that Carolina's out of it, but that Notre Dame is involved in this one. Clemson is a team that's made a strong push for this commitment as well. But if Notre Dame was to land this one, I think this could make some of the other ones that we've talked about a little bit more interesting. I know Hillman, who we just talked about, is a defensive prospect. But whenever you land an athlete like that, you never really know what kind of effect it can have on a class. And uh, it, it could be interesting to monitor here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, you know, with those types that are more, you know, athlete-esque uh, as opposed to anything else, you know, those can go both ways. I mean, there's been multiple situations where, you know, not only this staff, the previous staff, staffs have a, I've gotten guys on campus and, you know, have just said, you know, we'll throw you out there and see what you can do. So, you know, especially with those guys, uh, as long as they aren't, you know, their body's not specialized, especially guys that can project as, you know, defensive backs, you can see them move to, uh, if they bulk up, sometimes they can be more of a rangy line linebacker type. You know, sometimes they can be, on the offensive side is a skill position, whether it be sort of a, a speedy running back or, you know, wide receiver. So there's, there's always going to be options there um, that you can find value for athleticism with uh, in your football team. Yeah. And then the last guy is Isaiah Johnson. Now this is a guy, you talk about a dude that has just absolutely taken off here during his senior season. This was a guy that did not have a single Division I offer heading into his senior season of high school football. But in early October, things started to change. Carolina was one of the first teams to jump in. Virginia Tech, another team that's right there. And it seems like this is going to come down to Carolina and Virginia Tech. Now, he's a guy that's projected to be an offensive prospect a lot of his film coming out of high school is on the offensive side of the ball and it feels like Carolina you know Thomas Jefferson High School it's a place you know that's it's an area where Carolina has had a lot of success in the state of Virginia in that Richmond area I would not be shocked if Carolina strongly considers taking him in this class. I think, you know, it'll come down to Carolina and Virginia Tech. He has set an official visit for Virginia Tech on December 17th. If Carolina can get an official visit, and I think really they can if they want one, they will have an opportunity to land him. And I think, Zach, this is probably the name out of these three that people should be keeping the most keen eye on. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that uh, you know Johnson or Hillman, as you mentioned, are really the you know the two main ones to mention. And I'd probably lean towards Hillman just because of the you know more clear position and then the positional need. You know, at the back end, they're still looking for bodies there. They want a big DB class in uh, 2023, so that would probably be my selection. But 
like you mentioned, you know, it can really go either way. It, like I said before, it's going to take time uh, for, you know, these visits to sort of, um, you know, to sort of play out whether they are scheduled or not and then, you know, what other visits could potentially be scheduled. So, you know, as of right now, these guys are firmly on the radar, but there's just not enough information, at least on my end, uh, to say something, you know, strongly one way or the other about uh, what their decision is ultimately going to be. Yeah, he's another one that has visited campus, though, before. Um, so that is encouraging. And you would imagine, look, Carolina's got two home games at the end of the season here. So there is a chance to get some of these guys back on campus. I would imagine that both Isaiah Johnson and Brandon Hillman will be guys that they will push to try to get back on campus here over the next couple of weeks to close out the season. Now, this was not planned, but I did – in one of the groups that I am in on Twitter, somebody posted an article from Rivals.com, and there is apparently some buzz around Noah Rogers involving the Tar Heels. Uh, he has, of course, been committed since June to Ohio State, but there are teams that are pushing to flip him. We knew that NC State was one of those teams. Has been for a long time. That was seen as the biggest threat at a time. But in this article that was written by Rivals.com earlier today, apparently North Carolina is now the team that Ohio State and many around this recruitment are most concerned about when it comes to a flip. There are a couple of different things that go into this. One, clearly seeing the offense, seeing what Drake May is doing. And as an in-state prospect, especially, that has to be something that interests him. The other part of it is that his brother, Cyrus, is on the Tar Heel roster right now. So that's probably been one of those things that's been keeping Carolina in his ear, at least, for a while. It's probably one of the big reasons why he never officially ruled Carolina out. But apparently, there is a push from this Tar Heel staff to flip one of the nation's elite prospects at wide receiver. Look, Carolina's already got the commitment from Christian Hamilton, who we've talked about, kind of a versatile guy that can play in the slot or on the outside. Chris Culliver, who's more of your big play threat on the outside, really good speed guy, track guy uh, that can take the top off of defenses. And then, of course, the big frame guy, Paul Billups, in this class. But a guy like Noah Rogers, who is rated as the 45th overall prospect in the class, a four-star guy, and a guy that I've seen in person and can tell you he is absolutely the real deal, a complete receiver that would be a huge, huge addition to this wide receiver room. That It, it would be game-changing, and it would be somebody, we've talked about it before, Carolina fills up at certain position groups, fills up just overall in classes. There are certain guys, though, that you will find a spot for. Noah Rogers is clearly that guy. Zach, what do you make of this report from Rivals that Carolina may have a shot to flip Noah Rogers? Yeah, I mean, if if you look back sort of what our, you know, thought process was back in – uh, the summer, you know, when these recruitments were going on, it, it made a lot of sense of, you know, the idea that um, this could be a situation where, um, you know, North Carolina was more involved probably than we initially thought in this recruitment. And it's a situation in, in which it makes sense. Like you mentioned, you know, Matt Brown 
sort of mentioned in his press conference that they're having, you know, recruits call them back and who wouldn't want to play with Drake May. Well, you know, if you sort of connect those dots, at least potentially, we don't know for certain, but potentially, you know, that uh, Noah Rogers would sort of fit that bill of a guy that's looking to play in this offense. Now, to mention that as well, Ohio State, you know, has a very good offense this year. They have in the past few years, especially with their wide receivers. So they're always going to have that that they can sell. And that's going to be, you know, a consistent factor in whatever their push is to keep him. Uh, but they are, you know, with that su- success comes, uh, you know, a, a a sort of an influx of talent and therefore, you know, sort of a crowded group. So, you know, you don't question a guy's sort of uh, competitive character, but sometimes you look and say, well, where's the best opportunity for you to play and show your you know, to show your talents early if possible. Well, that could be at North Carolina. So, you know, that's another one, sort of a, a, a more high-profile, you know, recruitment that we'll continue to watch. We'll see if he shows up on campus sometime, you know, for the last two games or, you know, sometime in December. It'll be one to continue to watch. Um, but, you know, I, I think that there could be tracks in there, and it, it'll just be one to continue to watch. There's no other way to say it. You know, we'll be excited and, and sort of have that anticipatory feeling until he signs uh, one way or the other. Yeah, no, that that is the one now that after this report, most people will be focused on because he is a guy that sort of would take this class to another level. It would secure them a top 20 class, no doubt about it. But it would strengthen a position where Mac Brown has said, look, we do have some depth concerns there. He was talking about that a lot in the preseason. Now, they haven't really shown up so far this year. Carolina's really done a great job of masking any of those concerns. And a lot of the guys that have played have played pretty well. But this this is one that if you can get him, it is a no-doubt take. And I think it, it, would, it would be an amazing fit for him to play with Drake May. Now, again, he would only have the chance to play with him for one year, but I think the other part of it is it's not only to play with Drake May, it's to play in the system that Carolina has right now. And look, Ohio State's done a tremendous job with their wide receivers. At this point, it's probably hard to argue that if you're a wide receiver, that's not the best place to go. But Carolina is not far behind at this point. Look at the guys that Carolina has produced over the last handful of seasons, and it's only going to get better because you've already got Josh Downs, who looks like he will probably leave after this season, will probably be maybe a first-round pick, if not a second-round pick, just sheerly based on the fact that he plays slot receiver. Slots always are guys that are not going to be drafted as high as the guys that play on the outside. Don't really understand why at times because when you if you've got that good of a slot receiver, it can really be that much of a difference. But it is what it is. Antoine Green's another guy that now is starting to get some draft buzz. His biggest thing is he's gonna have to be able to stay healthy. But I think in terms of the overall player, we've heard here over the last couple of weeks, especially after that performance a couple of weeks ago against Pittsburgh, there are people in NFL communities that are putting him on their draft board. So that's two guys right there, not to mention Deami Brown. You've had Daz Newsome, who's had a ton of success. This offense has produced really, really good receivers over the last few years. So yeah, it, it, it makes sense why he would want to come and play 
at Carolina, and there is a chance that he could play earlier, especially with Antoine Green being gone, guaranteed after this season. And some of the other guys, I mean, look, J.J. Jones has done some nice things, but it's not like he's a guy that you can count on to sort of carry you in a game just yet. And Gavin Blackwell, you know, he's not he's not even a full-time starter yet. So there could be opportunity there. That is certainly going to be something worth monitoring. And we will have you covered with that and everything leading up to the early signing period over on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Make sure you guys go over there and check it out. We got all the stuff, of course, in season for you guys. We just recapped the game against Wake Forest. Ashton's analysis is up there. You've also got the trench report. The stock report will be coming out midweek and also press conference takeaways from Mac Brown talking about the game and everything else going on on Monday. Uh, he's got that up on the website for you guys to check out. Also, make sure you guys check out the basketball coverage. Carolina is in season in the 2022-23 season, and uh, they are you know off to a pretty good start playing tonight, actually, uh, against Gardner-Webb. So make sure that you guys check out Josh's preview on the website. He'll also have you covered with the recap after the game is over as Carolina steams toward the looming PK-85 tournament, which starts early on next week out in Portland, Oregon. We will have you covered on all of those fronts. And as I mentioned, on the recruiting front, we've got that article up there about Rico Walker's decommitment. I'm also going to write something definitely now about Noah Rogers and what he could mean to Carolina if they can add him to this class. So keep an eye on the website for all of that. Again, Heel Tough blog. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Zach for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.